you're on right now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo 5 Radio Network. Your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an America first perspective. Coming to you from the shores of the Indian River on Florida's scenic Treasure Coast and bringing you the news behind the news, the story behind the story. We're streaming live on iHeartRadio and available as a podcast on iTunes, TuneIn, Spreaker, and Spotify. And you can follow me on Twitter at right now, Jim Dawes. I love to hear from listeners. You can shoot me an email. The address is rightnowjimdawes at gmail.com. Or you can call our vent line and leave your rants at 772-245-0750. That's 772-245-0750. Well, who is Jim Dawes and where is Sam Sorbo? If you're tuning in to listen, listen to the Sam Sorbo Show, we've had a lineup change here at the Mojo Network, and you can tune into her show each weekday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. That's 9 a.m. Pacific, or, uh, <laughs> yeah, 9 a.m. Central. Uh, Miss Sorbo needed to uh, adjust her schedule. Uh, I guess she's probably dealing with... Uh, uh, scheduling conflicts related to this coronavirus. I'm not sure, but uh, you can listen to her show each weekday at 10 a.m. Eastern time. And I am going to take over Miss Sorbo's slot here at at 3 p.m. Eastern and uh, follow up on Rush. This is not a new position for me. Uh, when I first got into talk radio after a t- a retiring from the Atlanta Fire Rescue Department, I, uh, I followed Rush down here in our local market on the Treasure Coast, and uh, it's sort of a tough road to hoe, but I would encourage you to give this show a chance. As I mentioned, I'm a retired firefighter. I'm a nationalist. I'm bringing you these, these uh, uh, perspectives from an American nationalist perspective, an America first perspective. I was early in on the America first movement. I worked on Pat Buchanan's three presidential campaigns when he sort of pioneered the America, modern America first movement that Donald Trump was able to dust off and and uh, ride into the White House because by the time Trump came along, all of the predictions that Pat made about the disastrous uh, globalism and uh, the rot in our national culture had come to pass and, uh, and his message was finally ripe and ready uh, for the American people. So, um, we've got a great show for you today. We're in the second half of today's show. We're going to be joined by Curtis Ellis, who is the policy director for an America first policies, uh, pack. We're going to talk about the media reaction to the, uh, the coronavirus and how unhelpful they're being. And then we're going to take a look at the developments in the campaign and the prospects for Trump's reelection in this new environment. Well, last night, the Democrats did what the Democrats do, and that is they obstructed and postured and did everything they could uh, to be unhelpful as they stymied. They organized and blocked a procedural vote in the U.S. Senate designed to move forward on this phase three of the coronavirus response. Now, this was after um, the, the House wrote a bill on phase two of the response. Mitch McConnell set politics aside, passed the bill, at which time the Democrats took a week off, adjourned, went home, 
and uh, and uh, and uh, uh, Mitch McConnell in the Senate stayed in session, put together this phase three that was designed to really put um, you know the the full force of the federal government uh, behind uh, saving this economy. So what does Pelosi do? She returns from vacation and torpedoes this uh, this bipartisan bill. And the reason she wants to torpedo the bill out of the Senate is she wants to write a bill herself so she can load it up with Democrat pet projects and pork and all of the things that they've been unable to pass in the last 25 years. And now they have blocked uh, what was really the, the meat of the administration's response to this bill in order to save businesses and protect workers um, by delivering direct aid to people who are trapped in their houses. And the reason they say they're doing this is because they want to protect workers and that, uh, you know, they're back to their class warfare saying, oh, this bill just uh, protects big business and the big corporations. That's not true. Uh, It's not entirely true. Yes, it does offer uh, interest-free loans to big businesses in order to get them through this crisis, but it also offers direct aid to small businesses and direct cash aid to workers that have been displaced, actually everybody in the country. And the Democrats are doing what they often do. They engage in class warfare instead of being constructive by attacking employers while saying that they're protecting workers, which is so nonsensical on its face. You can't protect workers while at the same time not protecting their employers. Mitch McConnell is absolutely (laughs) angry over this and uh, is accusing uh, the Democrats of once again engaging in their obstruction and, and calling them out to, to, you know, set uh, partisan politics aside and move this bill forward. I've got sort of a long clip here of Mitch responding to the Democrats uh, uh, opposition in the Senate to this bill. It's uh, it's a little over three minutes. I I actually uh, shortened it by truncating the silence. Mitch McConnell is sort of a uh, slow talker. He takes long breaks in between. So this this clip will sound somewhat unusual because I went ahead and took the silences uh, out between his uh, his uh, speech here. The American people are watching this spectacle. I'm told. The futures market is down 5%. I'm also told that that's when trading stops. So the notion that we have time to play games here with the American economy and the American people is utterly absurd. So I want to explain what just happened. Our good friends on the other side would not have been disadvantaged one bit if this vote had succeeded because it would have required potentially 30 more hours of discussion during which these seemingly endless negotiations could go on as long as they would like. Now, the buildup to this, so everybody fully understands, is that we had a high level of bipartisanship in five different working groups over the last 48 hours, where members who were participating were reaching agreement. And then all of a sudden, the Democratic leader and the Speaker of the House shows up, and we're back to square one. So we're fiddling here, fiddling with the emotions of the American people, fiddling with the markets, fiddling with our health care, The American people expect us to act tomorrow. And I want everybody to fully understand 
If we aren't able to act tomorrow, it'll be because of our colleagues on the other side continuing to dicker when the country expects us to come together and address this problem. Now, I changed my vote, which gives me the opportunity to move to reconsider. I need to explain that. He says he changed his vote. He ends up uh, voting against his own bill because that's a procedural necessity so that he can bring the bill back forward. He's going to try to push it through, but I want to play you the rest of this clip. At a later time. That's all I can do in the face of this obstruction. Look, I can understand obstruction when you're trying to achieve something. This obstruction achieves nothing, nothing whatsoever, other than prevent us from getting into a position where there are literally 30 more hours that they could use to continue to dicker. So at a time when the country is crying out for bipartisanship and cooperation, and we saw that over the last 48 hours when regular members of the Senate, not in the leadership office, not in the Speaker's office, for goodness sake, she's the Speaker of the House, not the Speaker of the Senate. We don't have one. We were doing just fine until that intervention. So I want the American people to fully understand what's going on here. The markets are already reacting to this outrageous nonsense. We have an obligation to the American people to deal with this emergency and to deal with it tomorrow. And if we don't, I want everybody to fully understand you've seen everybody who's on record. I've conspicuously avoided trying to turn this into any kind of partisan effort for two days, but it's pretty clear what's going on here. And we'll have this cloture vote again at some point of my choosing, and hopefully some adults will show up on the other side of the room and understand the gravity of the situation and the need to act before the markets go down further and the American people have become even more depressed about our lack of ability to come together under the most extraordinary circumstances. Well, the reason the Democrats were able to obstruct, of course, is because in the Senate you require 60 votes to cut off debate. And uh, the, the Republicans don't have 60 votes. So every one of the Democrats, led by Schumer, who's being led around by the nose by Nancy Pelosi, voted against cutting off debate and moving forward to uh, you know, actual consideration of the bill. It's absolutely despicable. And if you go on to Facebook or Twitter, you will see that the Democrats are, are not uh, standing down. They're continuing to uh, politicize this crisis by attacking the president constantly and putting a political spin on everything. You got Adam Schiff over there, for God's sakes, accusing the president of not acting early enough and Engel and the rest of this impeachment crowd. So we should never forget that at the same time they were saying the president should have been taking early action, which in fact he did by issuing a travel ban from the affected areas of China. The Democrats, for their part, and their media mouthpieces were totally and completely bogged down in this impeachment hoax, their latest effort to try to uh, undermine this president. So he, at the same time he was defending himself from this this impeachment attack, was in fact uh, uh, moving forward on protections for this country while the Democrats were totally asleep at the wheel engaged in their um, uh, jihad, their impeachment jihad against this president. Adam Schiff turned his House Intelligence Committee that were supposed to be receiving briefings on what we knew about the development of the virus in China into a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week impeachment uh, jihad. Totally asleep at the wheel, not doing anything 
that the House Intelligence Committee was designed to do, instead turning it into an impeachment committee. And now, after uh, the Republicans got on board on Nancy's uh, phase two of this uh, coronavirus response, she takes a week off, sends her members home, they come back in town, and the first thing they do is torpedo this effort so that they can try to load up a bill with pork. Stick with us. we got to take a break. We'll be right back. Mojo. Are you from California, Illinois, New York, Georgia, or any of the other 39 states that charge state income tax? Does your state claim you owe them any amount of back taxes? Or have you not filed in years? Is your heart pounding because you know they're wrong or you just don't have the money? Don't fight the state income tax board alone. The tax doctor is here to help you. The state is much more aggressive than the IRS in collecting taxes. They have the power to take your home, your car, your driver's and business licenses, even garnish your wages, freeze your bank accounts, and go after your spouse. Solve all your income tax problems permanently and keep more of your hard-earned money. Make this 100% guaranteed risk-free call right now. 800-631-9241. 800-631-9241. That's 800-631-9241. So one of the most promising developments uh, in response to this uh, crisis is the possibility that a a drug that has been out since 1940 and was developed for the treatment of malaria, hydroxychloroquine, uh, may in fact be effective as a therapeutic in treating this virus and may even have um, a so-called prophylactic effect in, in keeping people from coming down with the virus. Now, the response, of course, is from the media has been entirely negative. As Trump has said, this is worth looking at. It may, uh, you know, be effective and successful. And uh, and of course, you know, they were immediately respond. Well, hydrochloroquine can uh, hydroxychloroquine can kill you. Well, yeah, just about any drug can kill you at high dosages. They're saying that if you take twice the recommended dosage that it could kill you. Well, no, no kidding. But, uh, it has been safe, effective. If you come down with malaria, the doctor will send you home with a prescription for hydroxychloroquine. And the and president has been trying to arouse the federal, uh, drug administration, uh, you know, to cut through a lot of their red tape and and get this thing to market so at least clinical trials can begin in the United States. They're they're trying to say that all of this information is anecdotal. That was the word that came after out of Dr. Fauci's mouth. That is not true. It is not anecdotal. They have done double blind studies in uh, in other countries using this on uh, uh, this coronavirus and it have been successful. But uh, when Trump said that this uh, this is a promising avenue that we're going to explore, here was an example of the response he got from our media. This is uh, Peter Alexander. I think he's of ABC News in the White House briefing room. 
It's possible that your impulse to put a positive spin on things may be giving Americans a false sense of hope. No, I don't think so. Any I don't think so. Right now. No, I don't think so. I think that uh, I think it's got you know, the not yet approved drug. Such a lovely question. Um, look, it may work and it may not work. And I agree with the doctor what he said. May work, may not work. Uh, I feel good about it. That's all it is, just a feeling. I, you know, I'm a smart guy. I feel good about it. And we're going to see. You're going to see soon enough. And we have certainly some very big samples of people. If you look at the people, there are a lot of people that are in big trouble. And uh, this is not a drug that obviously... Uh, I think I can speak for a lot of from a lot of experience because it's been out there for over 20 years. So it's not a drug that you have a huge amount of danger years. with. It's not like a brand new drug that's been just created that may have an unbelievable monumental effect like kill you. Uh, we're going to know very soon. And I can tell you, the FDA is working very hard to get it out. Right now, in terms of malaria, if you want it, you can have a prescription. You get a prescription. And by the way, and it's very effective. It works. Uh, I have a feeling you may, and, and I'm not being overly optimistic or pessimistic. I sure as hell think we ought to give it a try. I mean, there's been some interesting things happened and some good, very good things. Uh, let's see what happens. We have nothing to lose. You know the expression? What the hell do you have to lose? Okay. So what do you say the Americans were scared, though? I guess nearly 200 dead. 14,000 who are sick, millions, as you witnessed, who are scared right now. What do you say to Americans who are watching you right now who are scared? Uh, I say that you're a terrible reporter. Yeah, that's a that's terrible I reporter. I mean, there is absolutely no reason not to move forward with this. It has been, it's a safe and effective drug when used in the proper dosages, and they have had studies. Trump has cut through to uh, the FDA red tape and has been able to get uh, doses of this chloroquine, by the way, our, our friends in Israel, who, uh, you know, I'm often critical of, they say that they're an ally, uh, which, you know, they have done very little to uh, help the United States. But a, a big drug maker in Israel has donated 7 million, I think as, as many as 10 million dosages of this chloroquine uh, and are shipping it to the United States. But the president cut through the FDA red tape and actually got out 70,000 doses to Andrew, Andrew Como, the governor of New York, where the epicenter of the American crisis is. And after uh, the media spent you know, so much of their time criticizing Trump about um, the possible uh, use of this drug, they decided since Como wants to do it that this is absolutely fabulous. This is Brian Stetler over there at CNN. This has been a remarkable show of leadership by Governor Cuomo in recent days. He's providing hope, but not false hope. <laughs> so when Cuomo does it, it's good. When Trump does it, it's bad. Here's a clip of Andrew Cuomo talking about uh, the implementation of uh, trials of the um, uh, hydroxychloroquine there in New York. We're also implementing uh, the trial drug. We have secured 70,000 hydrochloroquine, 10,000 Zithromax uh, from the federal government. I want to thank the FDA for moving very expeditiously to get us this supply. Uh, the president ordered the FDA to move and the FDA moved. We're going to get this supply and the trial will start this Tuesday. The president is optimistic about this, uh, about these drugs. Uh, 
and we are all optimistic that it could work. I've spoken with a number of health officials, and there is a good basis to believe that they could work. So they're praising Como from the heavens for having the the bold initiative to step out on this when when the president was saying that we should do it. He said we should try it. The media, oh, that's false hope. It's not been approved yet. It's de- it's deadly in high dosages. How irresponsible. When the governor of New York does it, the media, that's real leadership. What a fantastic idea. He's uh, he's displaying uh, bold leadership. What's really depressing about all of this is that our pharmaceutical manufacturing industry in this country has been gutted as a result of these disastrous trade deals. But American manufacturers are actually using, uh, moving into old shuttered plants, in, um, specifically in Morgantown, West Virginia. A company called Mylan is uh, restarting production of the chloroquine as these tests move forward. And, uh, and they are uh, showing some promising results. Oh, let's see. We've got about five minutes left in today's show. I want to talk a little bit about um, some positive aspects. We, we have been reminded in this country that the things that we take for granted, like being able to go to the grocery store and uh, buy just bountiful supplies of, of food and, and other essentials, um, it doesn't happen by itself. And now we're starting to recognize the critical role people in our food supply chain play from the farmers in the field to the pickers to the truckers that deliver it uh, to the stores to the retail workers, these are all essential workers, and we should all stop and uh, and thank them when when we're um, out and about going uh, getting our food supply. Here's uh, former Governor Georgia and now Secretary of Agriculture Sonny Perdue uh, in response to that. Good morning. I'm Sonny Perdue, Secretary of Agriculture for the United States Department of Agriculture. And this morning, I just want to really speak to my, from my heart to all you folks out there that are working on the front lines of our food supply chain. You know, we're spoiled in America. You've provided such abundant, healthy, wholesome, affordable, available food that uh, we take you for granted. And for all you people, from the people who... Uh, are stocking those shells for the people who are uh, driving the trucks to get this food to us, the people who are processing the food, and the people who grow the food, and all the vendors that supplied our farmers to help them grow this food, whether it's fertilizer or feed or seed or any. Well, he gets a little deep into it. Uh, Sonny Purdue was, in fact, a uh, former Secretary of Agriculture for Georgia. He was a, a farmer. I guess he still is a farmer from South Georgia. He knows about these things. But, you know, I've, I've been disturbed to read stories that states are actually shutting down truck stops in response to this crisis. And that is so short-sighted, it's breathtaking. I mean, normally you have solid decisions being made at the state level, but shutting the truck stops while these truckers are out there working through this crisis and trying to get food to market and can't even find a place uh, at a truck stop to use the bathroom or take a break is just bewildering. If you need to deploy the National Guard in order to keep these truck stops open, that's exactly what needs to be done. We should do everything we can to support this critical industry, and, and you can't get the the groceries in the store if you don't have the truckers there to deliver it, and they deserve 
uh, more consideration than just shutting the truck stops and leaving them out there on the road without any place to take comfort. I wanted to talk about the story of Richard Burr, the most uh, despicable member of the U.S. Senate who, uh, who used inside information to, to cash out of the stock market entirely. But we'll cover that on the second half, of the, uh, or we'll cover that on tomorrow's show. In the second half of today's show, we're going to be joined by Curtis Ellis, Policy Director for America First Policies. And you're going to want to hear what he has to say. He's one of the most insightful commentators on politics. Stick with us. We'll be right back after two messages on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. We'll talk to you in a bit. As you make plans this season, consider convenient COVID-19 testing from Quest. Get the same test hospitals use without a doctor visit. Simply order online, select from drive through or at-home options, and get the results sent securely to your phone or computer. It's a great fit for your busy life. With over 20 million COVID-19 tests processed, you can count on Quest. So order your test today at questcovid19.com. That's questcovid19.com. Need an extra hand with dinner? Just ask your connected home device to fill your pasta pot, and Delta Faucet Voice IQ technology will fill it with the perfect amount of water. Visit deltafaucet.com slash voice IQ to discover more. And you're back on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. Bringing you the news behind the news, the story behind the story. Well, the coronavirus that originated in Wuhan, China, poses a double threat to America. The first, of course, is to our health as the virus spreads through the U.S. population, hitting the elderly especially hard. But the second is to our economy as our economy is ground to a halt, while more businesses, schools, and events shut down to to slow the threat of the contagion. We shouldn't underestimate the economic threat because the Chinese Communist Party is now using the pandemic to achieve its goals of surplanting the United States as the world's leading economic, diplomatic, and military power. To talk about this, we're joined now by Curtis Ellis. He's the policy director for America First Policies, and in an excellent article in American Greatness, he talks about these themes. Curtis, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, Jim. So it's interesting to see the same corporate media uh, that had been pushing the Russia hoax for three solid years, our, our new generation's uh, red scare, now leaping to the defense of uh, China, who are actual communists, and ignoring it entirely uh, that the China is, uh, is trying to use this, this crisis to expand its, uh, its supply chains and its tentacles into the United States and other Western nations. It's really a sight to behold of these people being the classic useful idiots. That That's a term that the Russian, the Soviet communist propagandists talked about. Uh, they would seek out people in the West, in the United States, in Western Europe, in the non-communist countries, countries that the, the Soviet communists wished to subvert and eventually defeat. They would seek out 
people in these countries that were not communists themselves, not overt communists, and maybe not even communist sympathizers, but could be used to further the the propaganda aims of Moscow, uh, of of the Communist Party line, and they would be useful in sort of softening up public opinion and shaping public opinion that it would be uh, receptive or more amenable to the goals of the uh, of the communists and these people who themselves were not necessarily communists or even communist sympathizers were referred to as useful idiots they were idiots they could be duped into uh furthering the line so example uh back in the 1950s or in 60s during the cold war when the Russians were our, the major threat, the uh, Russian communists, the Soviet communists, they would, uh, they would want to shape public opinion to be, they, they wanted the United States to disarm, right? I mean, they, they were not disarming, but they would like the West to disarm. So they would uh, get peace marchers, people to who were who were sincere uh, Quakers, pacifists. I mean, nobody wants nuclear holocaust. Civil right? rights movement so, leaders, uh, right? They would. Well, the, the with the peace movement, they would have people ban the bomb. Right, the whole ban the bomb movement. Right. Um, right. Pacifists get rid of the nuclear weapons, and uh, that was that was one line that they would use back in. The, and, and even going far with the civil rights movement, you have to go back to the 30s when the Communist Party. Uh, in the United States was a leading backer of the civil rights movement. And look, civil rights, good thing, right? And there were right. a, a ending segregation absolutely needed to be done. There were injustices that needed to be righted. But the goal of the Communist Party and the Moscow Communist Party as well, they wanted a separate nation. They, they said the, the African-Americans should have their own republic. So they were seeking to divide up the United States. Divide and conquer. And, yeah, divide and conquer. So uh, they would they, – they mask their propaganda under other causes, uh, uh, which are it, on the surface maybe even admirable, right? Now, I, uh, on the surface, in many cases, they are admirable. Look, nobody wants war. We want peace. Got it. Great. Everybody wants civil rights. Got it. Great. Good. Um, but today, what we're seeing is we cannot – it's not so good today because what the Chinese communists are doing is trying to avoid responsibility. They're trying to rewrite history. And it's, it's amazing to watch mainstream reporters like the, that fellow from NBC – at the at the briefing the other day, uh, mouthing the Communist Party line, mouthing the uh, the, the propaganda, and well, you know, and really I've enabling. Got, I've, I've got a clip uh, available for that. Uh, you know, please. This, this media, uh, whenever it is losing an argument or it doesn't have a good argument to make, always hurls charges of racism with any uh, at anybody that they disagree with, and now those very same tactics have made it right into the. Uh, White House briefing room where you would think that the opportunity to talk to the president of the United States in these dire times would be more uh, worthy of um, attention than questions like this. Okay, 
Why do you keep calling this the Chinese virus? There are reports of dozens of incidents of bias against Chinese Americans in this country. Your own aide, Secretary Azar, says he does not use this term. He says ethnicity does not cause the virus. Why do you keep using this? Because it comes from China. It's not racist at all, no, not at all. It comes from China. That's why it comes from China. I want to be accurate. Yeah, please, John. I have a great, I have great love uh, for all of the people from our country. But uh, as you know, China tried to say at one point, maybe they stopped now, that it was caused by American soldiers. That can't happen. It's not going to happen. Not as long as I'm president. Uh, it comes from China. John, please. I just find it very interesting that the media has now determined that uh, China is a race. Chinese right. ha- has, um, you know, several different races. And, and as a matter of fact, they're one of the most racist countries on the face of the earth. They put people in concentration camps and harvest their organ that are in the out group. But, um, you know, th- these are people that are supposed to be contributing to the, the uh the public knowledge of what's being done and what they can do to keep uh, themselves safe. And yet they seem bogged down in this racist meme. Well, right. And this is a perfect example of what we're talking about, of the propagandists from Beijing using, uh, using tricks for nothing else. They understand that identity politics is fixation on racism and sexism and, and different isms is a way to weaken uh, our country, that, that people will fall for it. Nobody wants to be a racist, right? No, I don't. I mean, there's some morons out there that are, but uh, nobody wants to be a racist. So if you accuse somebody of being a racist, they'll back off. Right. So they're using this. And the whole identity politics thing is a way to divide the country. Right. We're not Americans. We're black. We're brown. We're pink. We're green. We're we're gay. We're straight. We're this. We identify with uh, some biological immutability. That's, rather the, that's than the Democrat with par- the country. That's the Democrat Party business model. Well, exactly right. And they are being played as well. They're playing into the hands unwittingly of the propaganda masters of of the left of the of the international left uh, whether they're in beijing or or elsewhere this is a deliberate attempt to uh to to dissolve the nation state dissolve the united states the other trick they use is globalization i i've written globalization is the trojan horse that the chinese communist party is using to take over the world they have a a strategy of Globalism for you, nationalism for us. There you go. China is a highly nationalistic country, and as you said, a highly racist country. The Han Chinese, the Han Chinese are the one, are the majority race in China. The majority of China are, uh, but there are there's the Uyghurs, the Muslim, the ethnic uh, Muslims, uh, the they're, they're Turkmenistan, uh, Tur- Tur- ethnic Turks in Western China. They're they're being put in concentration camps by the by Beijing by the Chinese Communist Party. The Han the the Chinese Communist Party plays on the nationalism and the cultural look for five thousand that's a five thousand year old culture 
And China believes in, in its long history that they are superior to the rest of the world. They're the middle kingdom, halfway between earth and heaven. They're the middle, heaven above, earth below. And in the middle, you've got the wonderful Chinese culture. And their destiny is to rule the world. That's their belief. Uh, rule all under heaven. So the uh, so they're highly nationalistic, but they push globalism. And now China's portraying itself, Beijing's portraying itself as the defender of globalization. We can't interfere with free trade. You, Washington and President Trump are interfering with global free trade. Uh, not they're violating the the globalized economy, and they're using that as a as a pretext, as a Trojan horse, and the Western media plays along. When It's just amazing that we have allowed the communist China to capture so much of our supply chain, including uh, life-saving pharmaceuticals, absolutely critical to our nation's health, and also including uh, components in our, our uh, military um, requirements. And, and, you know, there was a, a movement uh, starting to, to gain traction prior to this uh, pandemic, uh, to decouple America's economy and, and key sectors from that of China. And now we see that uh, the Chinese uh, are instructing their state-owned industries to capitalize on the, the pandemic in order to expand their supply chain. I think one of their, uh, their ministers that you cited in your American Greatness piece said that the third decade of the 21st century has launched with China's fight against the epidemic, with its, its structural improvement of China's interaction with the world and a breakthrough in China's global war. That's right. Uh, and they're using the perfect example is the way they're shipping medical equipment, masks, face masks, protective gear, ventilators to Italy and to Western Europe. China is produces the bulk of those in the world, and they bought up in the end of January, they bought up the global supply, and now they're using them as a way to build goodwill and show their uh, their uh, alleged superiority. See, we got our stuff together. The West is faltering. The United States is all confused. CNN repeated this as as the, the a, uh, a plane load of this equipment was being unloaded in Italy. Uh, a CNN reporter was there and gave the glowing Communist Party line. As the United States falters, as President Trump has fractured the Atlantic alliance, China is stepping into the breach as the global leader. That's their game. And as our economy stumbles now because of the pandemic that China released, China is going to try to flood our markets and gain more market share in various industries. I've got an and example. I've got an example of uh, that sort of narrative coming out of the Today Show. I think that's... Uh... Today's show is CBS, uh, NBC, NBC, NBC. my bad. Yeah. Uh, this is a today show, uh, uh, reporter on the street, uh, talking, uh, to the, the crew there in the studio. And China and South Korea and those Asian countries, Hoda, may have helped uh, Western Europe and America by delaying the arrival of the coronavirus here. But now uh, they are worrying that they may get reinfected by the coronavirus uh, from the rest of the world. So China was helpful in delaying the arrival of the coronavirus to the Western nations. I think uh, the United States and Italy and, and Spain and, uh, and other countries would, would take, uh, take exception to that characterization. 
Uh, yeah, that's 100 proof pure Chinese propaganda. That's the China propaganda line. The world owes China a thank you for buying the world time. No, China owes the world trillions of dollars for unleashing this pandemic. And, as a, matter of, and as a matter of fact, they kept wraps on the outbreak in Wuhan, China, that they claim uh, originated in this wet market. They've, they've claimed that, uh, they've changed that. Um, now they're now denying that, but, uh, we always have to keep in mind that that's also home to their, their top level germ warfare laboratory. We still, to this day, do not know the origin of this virus because China will not allow our researchers, any international researchers and, and experts in virology into into China to look at this. They kept them carefully guarded when a, when a World Health Organization team finally was allowed in weeks, weeks, weeks into this, maybe months into the outbreak. Uh, they were carefully guarded and carefully guided, and China still refuses to release information, crucial information to determine the infectiousness of this, the mortality rate, uh, and to get a better handle on treatments and uh, the origins of it. So China covered it up. The first doctors, uh, what are doctors tasked with doing? Finding disease and curing people. In China, when the doctor noticed this new disease, this novel infection, what did the Chinese authorities do? They arrested him. They arrested the doctors, and they, they, they basically tortured them and made them confess and apologize for rumor mongering. And if you're, they were arrested and charged with rumor mongering, spreading rumors. If you spread rumors in China, your social credit score goes to zero and you can no longer do anything. And the doctor that first blew the whistle on the coronavirus subsequently perished from it. And the, the uh, director of the hospital that was the, the hotbed of the original outbreak, he also perished of it as well, although neither of them were in what you would call a risk, high risk category. Yeah, yeah. So you have to wonder about that. But that, that doctor who was arrested for rumor mongering went back to treat more patients mm-hmm. and he died. Yep. And it's uh, and this shows the barbarity of that regime that they arrest a doctor for blowing for, for sounding the alarm. We have a problem here. We have a problem. Let's let's call to action. It's like I rang the fire alarm and then I was arrested for reporting that there's a fire. I want because we don't want anyone to get upset. I want to play That's one more attitude. clip for you. There, this is the latest line coming out of uh, communist state media about the origins of this virus. And the virus originated in China. Hold on, hold on. Has Jesse Waters done his research? Maybe not. Well, I can help. Just a week ago, China's top respiratory disease expert, Zhong Nansheng, who won fame for combating the SARS epidemic in 2003, said although COVID-19 first appeared in China, that does not necessarily mean it originated here. The virus was first thought to have originated in a seafood market in Wuhan. However, a research team led by Dr. Yu Wenbin sequenced the genome of 93 SARS-CoV-2 samples provided by 12 countries proved otherwise. So it's been really interesting to watch the evolution of uh, the origin, uh, the official line of the Communist Party about the origin of this virus. First, they said it was a wet market, then any talk of uh, the coincidence that it just happened to be 20 miles away from this germ warfare laboratory was immediately labeled conspiracy 
And now they're claiming that it didn't originate even in that wet market. Right. And they're claiming it came from the U.S. Army. And then there was another commentator on China Central TV saying, well, if the United States develops a vaccine, that proves that they had this virus present. uh, They had samples of the virus present long before we did in China. So they got a head start on developing the vaccine. Uh, So they are, as I say, they are desperate to avoid responsibility for this because now the world sees the danger of doing business with China, of locating your industries in China. You don't know what you're going to get. You don't know if you're going to get your stuff out of it because remember at the first outbreak of this, they shut down all their factories. So all of the Western companies could not get anything out of there. They couldn't get iPhone parts. They couldn't get auto parts. uh, And now we know, that 97% of our medicines, antibiotics, uh, ventilators, uh, medical devices are all made in China. And that is insane. The world sees that. And so the Communist Party of China is in a desperate fight for survival. Because if these companies move out, as President Donald J. Trump has said they should for years now, he's been saying that. For decades, he's been saying that. And the tariffs he put in place three years ago were to hasten that and started to hasten it. Now the rush for the exit would be, uh, it'd be a stampede. And if that happens, the Chinese Communist Party loses its grip on power because all the money that Western companies have given to that regime by locating factories there is what keeps them in power. And they know this. Anybody they that engaged in this sort of economic um, a trade with the old Soviet Union would have been immediately labeled as a, a traitor to the nation. And yet our corporate um, our, our biggest corporations, corporate 500 companies, have offshored almost all of their production to China in the last few years. Curtis, I, I, I'm, I'm glad to have you on. I'd like to hold you over through the break if that's possible because I want to hear what's going on with the campaign and your take on what effect, if any, this will have on – the prospects of the president's re-election. Certainly. Stick with us. If you are trying to quit drinking or doing too many drugs, listen to me. You don't know me and we'll never meet. I had a problem like you once. I drank and used to party a little too much till it got out of control and almost ruined my life. I realized I needed help to fix my problem before it totally destroyed me. If you've tried to fix your drinking and drug problem and you know you can't do it alone, you need to call the National Treatment Advisors. They'll immerse you into a 30-day program to replace your old habits with new habits and totally change your life. And if you have PPO, private health insurance, the entire program may be covered. Fix your problem right now before it gets any worse. Get clean. Call now and learn more. 800-957-6209. 800-957-6209. That's 800-957-6209. Well, while the Democrats and the official Washington and the media were focused and and really uh, fixated on the president's impeachment back in January, the president was uh, had this outbreak on his radar and, in fact, shut down travel from the affected areas of China and subsequently 
uh, to Europe and, and other nations. Uh, the left was then uh, their their response was to call the president a racist and a xenophobe, and uh, and it turns out that 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 action saved more lives than probably anything else the president could have done at the time. So now they're taken to second guessing each and every response from this administration. Uh, when he does something right, they say that he should have done it sooner. Uh, and I'm just wondering, while we've got our guest on, Curtis Ellis, who is um, a policy director for America First Policies, what effect might this have on the campaign? We see that Joe Biden has uh, taken entirely to standing on the sidelines and criticizing the president uh, uh, just nonstop. His most recent tweet says, in times of crisis, the American people deserve a president who tells them the truth and takes responsibility and Donald Trump has not been that president. I have never seen a more open and transparent response. The president, the vice president, holds an hour-long press re- briefing every day uh, where they answer all of the media's questions. And, uh, and Curtis, what do you think? I, I recently saw a poll that the president's handling of this uh, enjoys about a 55% approval rating. What do you think that this, uh, this uh, crisis effect it could have on the president's reelection and the campaign? Well, this certainly is this has become the campaign. Uh, What I mean by that is this has rewritten the campaign. Uh, Remember back in January, even as the impeachment was in uh, high gear, the president's ratings and approval ratings were high. The Democrats spirits were low. They didn't see any way they could win. The president's reelection seemed inevitable. And now it's a completely other game. Nobody's thinking about the campaign. Nobody's thinking about the election. Nobody's thinking about November. They're well, thinking about the next day. Joe Biden seems uh, entirely fixated on it. If you go over to his Twitter feed, it's hard to believe how irresponsible and unhelpful he is being in the uh, in this environment. And what he's doing is he is exposing the the, the American people can see anyone who looks can see who is fighting, who is serious about fighting the virus, who is fighting for the American people and who is playing political games right now. The American people don't want to hear about politics aside from weirdos like you and me, Jim, most people don't pay attention to (laughs) politics. They assume politicians are lying sacks of manure and just are in it for themselves, could never make it in the real world in business, so they are living off taxpayer money and using taxpayer money to bribe voters to stay in office. That's what most people think of politicians. They don't want to hear about politics. They have a family. They have a house to worry about. They've got kids. They've got school. They've got a job. That's what they uh, they've got a sports team they're rooting well, for. Well, you know, the, as I see Biden and the Democrats response to uh, to this is, is taken two aspects. One, when the president does something right, uh, like, you know, uh, issue these travel bans or or, uh, you know, uh, shut down the cruise ship industry or other things, things that we have actually seen the Democrat governors of California and New York praise the president for Biden and the campaign says, well, he should have done that sooner. And when he does right. something wrong, as you inevitably will in a crisis like this, you you try something. If it doesn't work, you adjust your tactics. Then they point out that he doesn't know what he's doing. And it, it is just so destructive 
to people that are trying to make it through the actual crisis that it's hard to believe they right. can be that, that irresponsible. That's right. They're trying to make it through the actual crisis that they're facing with their family. My kids are home from school. I may be home from work. I maybe just got laid off. And all these, all this guy is doing is taking pot shots at the president. Look, the president's in charge and he's in charge. He's trying to do something. If you don't have something constructive to say, just shut up. Just because shut they're not the offering constructive. <laughs> right. <laughs> they're, they're not offering constructive suggestions. Now, the ones who are, Gavin Newsom is saying good things. Governor Cuomo in New York is doing some is 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 being calm, steady leadership. He offered constructive suggestions. He said, "Let's get the Army Corps of Engineers in here so I can convert some uh, the the the, con- the convention center. I can convert it into a hospital, or take some of the uh, state university dorm rooms and convert them into a hospital." Uh, and the president's response to that call was actually to mobilize some of the U.S. Navy's hospital ships. And send them to New York. I mean, that's how you work together yes. in these kind of kinds of crises. Exactly. That's what people want to see. And I got to say, Governor Cuomo stepped up. I never thought I'd say that. Uh, Andrew Cuomo is doing a terrific job now. And President Trump says so. And Cuomo says President Trump's doing a terrific job. They are working together. The Army Corps of Engineers is coming in here. They're going over to the Jacob Javits Convention Center on the west side to scope it out, scout it out, see if they can make it into a hospital so we can get some of the less critically ill patients out of the hospitals and put them over there for a while and free up some space for the, for the, for the critically ill. So Curtis, we've just got about our hospitals. We've just got about a minute left. And before I let you go, I want to ask you about uh, the legislation that is working its way through the house and the Senate. Uh, They're calling it phase two and phase three of the response. What do you think uh, are are those going to be effective efforts, or do you just see the Democrats and uh, and other politicians loading this up with their pet projects? This is going to be the defining moment for the Trump administration, the Trump presidency, and for Washington. We have to take care of the people who are being hurt by this CCP virus. And we get this done and get it done right, and people are going to see results. They're going to be taken care of. And we're not going to be just bailing out the big fat cat Wall Street guys. President Trump has said, I don't want stock buybacks. I don't want this money going to stock buybacks. I want to see it going to the people. Curtis Ellis. Curtis Ellis is policy director for the America First Policies and writes a column at America Greatness. You should check it out. You can find him on Twitter at America First Pack, and you can find him on the web at a1apack.org. That's a1a1pack.org. Well, that takes us to the end of this edition of Right Now with Jim Dawes. I want to thank you for joining us and invite you back here again tomorrow right here on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. We'll talk to you then. When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, hmm, what's the word? Delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, hmm, what's the word? Delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. 
Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details.